The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. The short game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two fantastic co-hosts, Nate Heininger and Shane Kelly. And this week we are going to talk a little bit about a game engine instead of a particular game. And really, describing this as a game engine is actually not correct. It's kind of it's a game engine plus also a bunch of other stuff. But game engines have been in the news recently. This week was the. <laughs> <laughs> the week one. Yeah, that's a way to put it. Game engines have been in the news. <laughs> the entire un- the entire internet decided they hate Unity, which fair enough because yes. they're shooting themselves in the foot. Right, fully so. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. That's not what we're talking about today. No. Well, if you don't want to use Unity, I hear there's other things you can build your game in. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In fact, some of them do not charge you. <laughs> Per install of your game. I actually saw somebody reaching out. We're talking today about Pico 8, and I saw somebody reaching out to the developer of Pico 8, um, Lex Awful. I don't know the guy's actual name. That's his, like, company name. Like, saying, what's the uh, what's the per install fee for for using Pico 8 games? And he said, uh, I, I hope I can quote him directly, but he said something like, for each 100 installs, you are required to do one nice thing for yourself or for someone else. <laughs> this will be tracked and is not optional. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, I can get down with that. I love that. What a what a opposite reaction to yes. Uh, I think yeah. he's about as likely to have figured out how to track that as Unity is to have actually figured <laughs> out uh, how to track what an actual install of a game is. I think I think people people who work at the top levels of Unity don't understand what the word install means. Like yeah. completely divorced from reality, this entire situation. But that's uh, we're we're here to talk about something fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have, and that's why we're returning to cartridges, which are really yes. easy to track. We that's love the best a- thing about <laughs> cartridge-based systems like the Pico 8. It's yeah. that you know when you have a physical cartridge. You know, it's it's impossible to counterfeit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shane. Let's explain what Pico 8 is, because this is something like Pico 8's been around for a long time. I, I think it first debuted something like eight years ago, like just around the time when we were starting this podcast, actually a little after our podcast been around too long now. Um, but uh, I think it was in development before that. Like, I don't know when I first ran across Pico 8, but it's just one of those things that's like, surprisingly long lived within the indie game scene. Um, And it's just got this really vibrant little community around it that just continues to churn out really fascinating little games. Um, And I've thought about doing a Pico 8 episode, honestly, on and off for years. It just never kind of came up or was seemed like the right time. But we had a well, we were afraid that the podcast police would uh, would get mad at us for deviating from doing exactly 
one video game review a week, uh, which we did for the first five years of the podcast, I think, yep. before we started maybe hey, uh, back, experimenting back the with the format of the podcast. Bit. If we were making it one per week, we were fucking like uh, yeah. living, man. Like, it was like one we were, every 10 we were, days. Yeah. yeah. We are way more regular now. Mm-hmm. Um as our well our uh, regular our... listeners will remember that this podcast has a long history like the pico 8 we go back to mm-hmm. the 1980s the golden yep. era of video games we, and we've been uh, our this podcast, podcast yeah it's like a, we're an homage to that period and and uh-huh. we're we're welcoming a new generation into the the 1980s where we started our podcast on cassette tapes and zines mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish there are some podcasts out there that like have have that kind of heritage, man. Like that's not us, but hey, I think nine years <laughs> is a pretty good run. Hanging out in um, arcades, handing out cassettes to teens. Yeah, it's a, it's a good look. <laughs> okay, no, <laughs> I, I can't quite return to those days. <laughs> um, so Pico Eight, Pico Eight is a Pico fantasy 8. console, just like Shane's fantasy he was just inventing there. Um, Pico Eight's. Pico 8's a really cool idea. This is the first time I encountered the idea of a fantasy console. There have been other imitators. In fact, we talked a little bit about what a fantasy console is when we did the episode about uh, the Playdate, which in some ways shares some DNA with Pico 8. It has its own kind of um, built-in development environment and some things about it that kind of have, I don't know, it just it, it feels like there's some shared DNA between the two. But Pico 8 is... One way to one way to think of Pico 8 is it's almost as if it was an emulator. It's a software program that you can install on your Mac or PC or on Linux or on Raspberry Pi or in a bunch of things. Um, but it's a it's a software application that you can download and install that pretends to be a I don't know roughly circa late 80s early 90s computer slash console, and uh, it has a bunch of interesting technical limitations. Uh, that kind of give the games that are developed using Pico 8 a kind of a unique, cohesive look and feel. So it's worth talking a little bit. Now, obviously, mostly what we're wanting to talk about today are some of the games that we have enjoyed over the years that run on or were created with Pico 8. But um, not to get too down into the weeds of like the the technical aspects of Pico 8. It is really interesting, though. So let's talk a little bit about what it is. First of all, if you want to get Pico 8, we're going to be talking about a bunch of Pico 8 games. You can download Pico 8 games on their own. They can be played in the in a web browser. If you create a game with Pico 8, you can export it as a, an application for Windows or Linux. Or um, I've even seen Pico 8 games uh, in very rare cases, ported to consoles. In, I'm not exactly sure what the process was there, but Pico 8 is, is a game engine. You can use it to create games and release them in, in, as their own thing. But Pico 8 is also an application that you can buy. So you can go to the Lexawful website and pay them $15 and buy Pico 8. And it's not just something that you would want to do if you wanted to create Pico 8 games. Um, it's also kind of its own little console for playing the games. So you download Pico 8 to your computer, boot it up, and you come to a kind of a command line, almost as if you were booting up a 1980s uh, personal computer. Um, and from that command line, you have access to a bunch of different tools that are built in, kind of as if you had programs installed on your little virtual computer. Um, so probably the most relevant for the game players uh, is a, a, a little program it has built in called Splore, uh, as in Explore, 
where you can browse a selection of games that are uploaded by the Pico 8 community and vetted and categorized and so on. And it's a really cool way to sort of browse through games. We'll talk about some other ways you can access games for Pico 8 as well. Um, but yeah, it's got this cool little interface for browsing games, but also built into it, it's got tools for creating games. When you write a game in, for Pico 8, you're writing it using the Lua programming uh, uh, language, which is a, a really common uh, language for sort of scripting language for game developers um, and other contexts as well. But I think it's you know it's interesting that it, they chose Lua because it's a it's a a language that a lot of game developers are familiar with. Um, but it also has built in its own sprite editor and map editor and music tracker. So um, Pico 8 pretends to be a 1980s computer with a bunch of really interesting little limitations. It's, it always has 128 by 128. Uh, pixel screen uh, with a 16 color palette that was chosen specifically to give it this very unique look. Um, the audio output has this very bleepy bloopy sound to it because it has this very strictly like four channel audio thing with like, like, you know, square waves and sine waves and stuff, the kind of things that you'd find on a 1980s um, computer. Uh, and um, I'm sure there's a bunch of other limitations I'm forgetting about. There's a, there's a limitation on memory size and quote unquote cartridge size. Games on Pico 8 are stored in a quote unquote cartridge, uh, which is, I think it's 128 kilobytes limit. And that has to contain mm. all of the game code as well as art and music code and, and everything else. Um, and so it gives you all these limitations that, you know, unlike something like Unity or, you know, another game engine where you kind of, the sky's the limit. You you know, if you want to import your assets, you can kind of do it all. Um, Pico 8 is very, very limited. Everything has to happen within a small readable amount of Lua code combined with like sprite graphic uh, images and um, tracker music and everything. Regan, is there an input uh, limit as well? Because I know at least... I I don't have a ton of experience with Pico 8, but we'll we'll talk about that here in a minute. But one thing I re I noticed is everything only had like a D pad and two buttons. Is that a limitation of it, or is that just my the what I happen to run into with the game? No, that's that's absolutely right. Yeah, it has a um, okay. when, in terms of game input, it has a limitation of you are you know controlling it with a D pad and two buttons, which it labels as like Z and X, which is really uh, amusing. Um, it's you know. Being a fantasy console, you know, kind of imagine a, uh, a you know a, a little NES controller with Z mm -hmm. and X buttons. But actually, it's just because if you're playing on keyboard, um, Z and X are the are the buttons that you use the on the keyboard. The bottom left of your keyboard are your sort of action buttons. You know how and... the the EU has made everybody switch to USB C. Essentially, I think we need the <laughs> God EU. <bless> <laughs> yeah, we need the EU to bring some unity to our button labeling. Going yes. from my, I, I know this is not a new observation, but going back and forth, which what I'm doing right now from uh, playing Tears of the Kingdom still to Baldur's Gate on the PS5, the amount of accidental canceling of stuff I'm doing on uh, Switch or vice versa because of the swap between the Switch and PS5 buttons is driving me crazy. And then you come over to Pico 8 and you got Z and X, which is I like for the reasons you said, but still like, come on. Can we do A or X, whichever? I don't care. Let's let's land on some uniformity here. I, I'm so I so agree with you. And it's also the the difference between like 
Nintendo consoles in general, it's the rightmost button that you use right. to select things in the menu. And then on most other consoles like Xbox uh, or US-based P- uh, PlayStations, it is the lowermost yeah. button and uh, that you use to select. Uh, that throws me off 100% uh, yeah, of the time. all the time. 100%. I hate that. I, I think it would be an extremely silly thing for there to be like a... Uh, uh, like a law about, but I'm I'm almost no. on board, and I feel like at the very least there should be a checkbox in the menus, guys. All the chancellors and prime ministers and whatnot of the European Union, we need them to tackle this problem next. We mm-hmm. solved the USB C thing. Next, let's get at these game controllers. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> so I think that's kind of enough talk about like the technical aspects of Pico Eight. But let's talk some games. Yeah, let's talk about some of the games. So Pico 8 has a uh, you know a community that's been making games for it that goes back for, well, you know, eight years or however long this thing has been around. And there are a ton of games for it. And there's no way that we could talk about any even significant chunk of them. And we also absolutely cannot put ourselves forward as like experts on this. Like this is not a best of podcast. We are not listing the greatest Pico 8 games of all time. We're just going to talk about some of the stuff we've played that we thought was neat. And if you have Pico 8 games that you think are neat that we don't get to here, we would love to hear about them. We had a little mm-hmm. conversation about this going on in the uh, the Discord. Um, we'll leave a Pico 8 channel up for a little while. If anybody wants to hop in and say, hey, check out my Pico 8 game or check out my favorite Pico 8 game or whatever, we would love to have you. We'd love to chat about that stuff. And I, I like to play these because they're so easy to, to, mm-hmm. to play and check out. Um, so who's played some Pico 8 games recently? Yeah, oh, we well, and we did. should also say, too, I don't know if you uh, you may have said this, um, but they're also very often playable in browser. Mm. You know, obviously, yes. the ideal experience is to get the um, software, install it, have, you know, have the, the core experience like the developers are, ex- are intending. But if you just want to try out some of these games that we're about to talk about, the majority of them can just be played in a browser. So yeah. um, you can check it out that way. My first yeah. experience with the Pico 8 was uh, through the hidden game within Celeste, maybe the most popular Pico yes. 8 game of all time. You could actually play the original Celeste, which was made on Pico 8. They had it as a hidden room in the the main release of Celeste. You'd find a little computer and you could play all the way through it. I didn't know what it was at the time when I was playing it. I've since learned that you know, that's that's what it was. And then they have made a Celeste 2, which is on Pico 8, which is also incredible. So if you're a fan of Celeste, like I think most of us are, um, you know, that's a great place to start with uh, Pico 8 games. But uh, I know we all played a bunch of new stuff. Shane, do you want to uh, you want to kick us off with a game? Sure. So just like you were saying, Nate, uh, my experience of this was not quite the fantasy console experience. It was just go into the website. And for mm-hmm. me, uh, the easiest way to try these games right now is visiting the uh, itch.io Pico 8 tag because you can just click through on so many really great games uh, and try them out. And the first one that intrigued me was Mimic. Uh, Mimic mm-hmm. is a puzzle game that, um, to me, it, when you're doing this kind of aesthetic for something like the... Uh, 8-bit style like this you know what i really love is a game that has um just simple gameplay that is kind of cool and original and this one is 
it's a puzzle game where you see these little tableaus of little creatures like birds and fish and butterflies and a thing that I had to read the web page to find out was a goat. Uh, kind of looks, <laughs> I swear to God, it looks like E.T. from uh, the Atari. And um, in in the in this game, each of the different animals has a, um, a well, you start off as a little red ball, I should say. And all the animals in the scene um, oh, and the objective is to get to this exit. I'm telling this all wrong. The puzzle game where you're trying to get to the exit, um, but you have to turn into the different animals in order to do that. Every animal has a terrain it can walk on and a movement pattern. And if you match the movement pattern of one of the animals, you'll turn into it. Hmm. And, and that's how you kind of make your way through the levels. It has only 11 levels to it, and it's super clever. And uh, one thing I really liked about it is, um, you know, it, it was created by someone who goes by Sour Encho. I'm guessing if I'm pronounced, I hope I got that right, uh, on on uh, Twitter and, and so on. And, and he does a little devlog that I really like here where he just talks about what he learned making this game. Um, it's a very clever game and uh, totally recommend it. You should get anyone who clicks through on this, I think, is going to have a good time with it. This looks short. awesome. And I just pulled up the page on itch and he has a uh, he's a review blurb from Terry Cavanaugh, who created. I love v, that. V, yeah. V, v, v. Uh, and man, like this sells me on it immediately. Like mm-hmm. this, this looks really fun. Uh, man, yeah. I want to check this out immediately. Mm-hmm. And you can. That's the cool thing about these Pico 8 games. Um, and particularly about visiting that itch.io uh, homepage, because I don't you, don't you don't even have to be logged in as far as I can tell. Like these we recently had a thing with itch.io uh, where like I think they changed something about their hosting and they deleted all your save files if you played anything their website. So don't trust <laughs> their website. But a Pico 8 game, I don't have a save file. I don't care about a save file. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, you know, I want to mention something about this because like th- there's a lot of different ways to play a Pico 8 game. You know, Shane mentioned you can find them through itch.io. Itch is a great resource for all kinds of games. And obviously like the itch tag, uh, the Pico 8, tag there is a great way you can filter and sort it in a bunch of different ways if you want to see just pico 8 puzzle games that are rated highly or something like that you can you can do that kind of filtering there i love that um but obviously like not every pico 8 game gets listed on itch um so there's other stuff elsewhere but something else that i want to mention about pico playing pico 8 games is that the concept of the cart we talked about that a little bit but they have this really clever idea with carts you know the it in keeping with this idea that a Pico 8 game is sort of like a fantasy cartridge for a fantasy console, um, one of the ways developers can share their games is as a Pico 8 cart, which is literally a PNG file. It's an image file that you can mm-hmm. upload and embed on a website or put in an email or whatever. It's a few kilobytes. Um, Pico 8 games are all tiny. Um, and literally, they they it's an image that you can see. It has a little picture of the game, like a game image. It looks like a cartridge. Um, but somehow magically embedded in the PNG image file is the game data. And you can take this PNG image, which will be like a p8.png file, and you can put that into the Pico 8 application, the like actual, you know, assuming you've actually bought the Pico 8, you know, player, the the the, the Pico 8 app um, from LexAwful. And not only can you then play the game, like you essentially have like an offline copy of the ROM, um, but if you have that file, 
you can explore the source code because Pico 8 cartridges are, you know, games in, in and of themselves, but they are also like all of the collected, like you can open it up. You can go into the source code and look at the Lua. You can go into the map editor. You can go into the music editor and you can change things. And that's one of the things I think is incredible about this as a tool for game developers, because like if you see a Pico 8 game that you admire, not only it's like it's like the like view as source of like web development you you can you can go into the source code of these games in its sort of native format it is a shareable thing that you can learn from i think it's an amazing feature of this as a as a tool so i just wanted to make it make that point because it kind of tangentially related yeah that is super interesting because you know honestly when i first heard about this idea of like a virtual console like a, a fake like a fantasy console Right. My first thought was like, why, you know, why, why go through all that? Um, but the more that I've, ex <laughs> you know, like, honestly, like I, yeah, not, I no, no, no disrespect, you know, but I just don't, don't know. I did not understand why you would go through the effort to make something for a fantasy console instead of like just making your own game and in, in modern tools. And the more that I've played these games, you know, uh, I think it's really interesting. Limitation is, you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention, right? So these limitations uh, force you to use a, a very specific set of tools, which can can really lend itself to creativity. And then it's little stuff like that. What what Reagan just broke down, like that is such a unique thing. And it, and it really, I think, fosters mm -hmm. this community aspect. Of well, what, what you say about it, like about the limitations breeding creativity, um, so there's, there is absolutely tons of creativity in the creation of a lot of these games, but there's also a strong theme of slavish copying. There are a thousand <laughs> D makes, uh, yes. on Pico eight. And the one that I spent the most time with and really enjoyed, um, is the, um, it's not even really a D make. It's basically just a very good version of Mr. Driller as Pico Driller. Yes. Yeah, um, now I, you're speaking I, Reagan's I think, language. You know, uh, uh, the, it's this. It is when it, 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 it so good. I mean, they they got everything right. They got the little animations of the guy. Um, it it works for it works so well. I, if you had told me this was um, the Game Boy Color version of uh, of Mister Driller, uh, I would have believed you a hundred percent and uh thought hey actually this is a lot better than i thought this version of this game would be uh you know it's so but like i said like complete uh there's there's also a thousand like yeah random demakes you can you, you can play mario you can play sonic and apparently you could play no man's sky on <laughs> yeah i love that i love this yeah. sort of like like the 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 game design gumption of like taking something like no man's sky and trying to imagine what the like 128 pixel version of that would be like what is the essential nature of that there's a demake of disco elysium which is incredible That's it's not thing. the full game yes but it's it's incredible that's awesome. Uh, Shane, the game that you just mentioned, the, the sort of Pico 8 version of Mr. Driller is by the developer of one of the games that I was most excited to play uh, this week, which was uh, Shadow King. Um, mm. Shadow King is by so there's this developer named uh, I, I apologize if I mispronounce your name, sir. Uh, Johan Pietz. I don't know where he's from, um, but he 
seems to be a he does a lot of Pico Eight, and he has a, a Patreon where he. Uh, you know that Patreon model where rather than doing like a per month thing, you just like um, release a project and you get paid by your patrons every time you release a project. He does one of those where you can like, you know, subscribe for five bucks per game or something like that. And every time mm. he releases a new game, you just get it and, and you get it for five bucks or whatever. Um, and he's created a whole lot of really amazing stuff. Um, he's also then taken some of these games on to do like full um, Steam releases of them and stuff. But um, he has a new game coming out as we're recording, it is coming out today. I had to reach out to him to get a build to be able to play it in advance. Um, uh, so I will recommend this to people. You can also buy it for $4 on his itch.io page. Um, or I guess you could get it on his, uh, if you're a patron of his. Um, it's called Shadow King. Um, and Shadow King is the best Metroidvania that I've played on Pico 8. Um, it's really well done. Uh, it's cute. It's fun. It only took me about an hour and a half to complete. Um, actually, I, that's that's kind of a lie. I'm still stuck on the final boss trying to defeat the Shadow King. Um, but it's an absolute technical marvel on Pico 8. It has the largest map I have ever seen. It's one of these sort of like flip screen scrolling kind of things. So each screen is its own, you know, you sort of does a little uh, like page by page scroll between uh, zones or areas. But <laughs> you, you're uh, you're a little knight you know, a little tiny night. Pico eight has this very like this funny aesthetic where like every, every, every game pretty much follows the same kind of grid pattern where everybody, every sprite is like, I don't know, eight pixels tall. There are technical reasons for this. I assume um, I've played around a little Maybe bit. It's with the just map the, uh, the sprite editor tools that are. Yeah. It's like the, it. it's like the default scale for sprites in this game or in this, in this engine. Um, but you know, you're, it's great. I love that. Like little, little tiny guys. This is one of my biggest annoyances with Game Boy games is like back in the 90s, everybody's building a Game Boy game decided they wanted to like emulate their, you know, NES or SNES game and have these gigantic sprites on this tiny screen. And it means you can't see anything. Pico 8 games in general don't suffer from that problem. So even though they have like, like similar resolution to a Game Boy, like in general, they they actually have like sprites that are of size that make sense. I love that about Pico 8 games yeah. generally. Um, but like Shadow King, great game. Tiny Knight goes into a castle. Lots of like, like cute little like, you know, Metroidvania style backtracking. You know, you make your way into an area. You find a little like corpse or something that says, ah, oh, uh, once there was a man who could jump twice as high as a regular man. But then he went into the crystal caves and died. And of course, you can go down in the crystal caves and you can find the corpse of the guy and you can get the get the double jump, you know, that kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. really simple, like straightforward um, Metroidvania stuff. But it's it's like it's breezy. It was super, super fun. Um, and just like like easily one of the better ones of these that I've played at this sort of like micro scale, like doing a small Metroidvania is like almost, almost a like uh, oxymoron. Like it, it almost is an yeah. impossibility. There's so few tiny Metroidvanias that both check the boxes of what is a Metroidvania and are an hour and a half long. We, right? We've like, seen a few of those on this show. I mean, that is kind of our have, wheelhouse. Yeah. We've had uh, what's yeah. the one with the cat robot. Gato Robato. Gato uh, Robato. And uh, come else? up again we, here in the near future. Oh. Wait, have we seen any other mini things that this reminded you of? Um, uh, what was the um, what was the action platformer with the crazy long name that we did on uh, Game Pass? Uh, Knights of Lotus, the War of 
Oh, well, that hardly counts. That was still pretty low dose war. Yeah, nights of a million requiem. No, don't compare this to that, man. I hate that. (laughs) No, I love that. What are you talking about, you jerk? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I love when I bring a game to the show and we play it and uh, and everyone's like, no, it's fine. That's fine. And then six months <laughs> later, they're like, Reagan made us play this bullshit with anime girls in it. I hate you. <laughs> I still can't believe we haven't done Forbidden Planet 2 yet. Uh, the what? The Wait, what is it? What is it not Forbidden Planet? What's the that one is... we gave you shit up? We can cut this out. What's the oh, one that we oh, gave? Uh, oh, oh, um, Freedom Planet. Freedom Planet. Freedom too. Planet. Yes, yeah. it's probably too long for the show. Like, yes, mm. I know. I was dying to play it, but and I, I even bought it. I, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Mm. Yeah, it looks great. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, like I got, I got burned, man. I made everyone play Freedom Planet. I was like, this is a great game. Let's all play it and enjoy it. And I like Freedom Planet. I just like making fun of you more than I liked Freedom Planet. And then I've been getting shit about it for nine years, (laughs) nine years. I've been brought it up in a while while. because everyone forgot. I'm, I'm super nostalgic about, about, I would play it again now Uh, if if I I get to make fun of you again. Oh Shane, you know we've got an bought, infinite well. I love for that, that game we so don't need much to go that back. I bought a T-shirt with all of the characters from that game on it. Yeah. And then I tell you what, and I bought that shirt nine years public. ago. No, no, that's the thing. That shirt is in pristine condition because I wore it once, and my wife made fun of me for wearing a shirt with anime cat girls on it. I've never worn it in public. <laughs> yeah, it is a fun game though. I love anything. That's it like was. It was fantastic. Near, near Sonic. Uh, yeah. Uh, Every well, husband has to have a few T-shirts like that for when they want to set the mood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> like I only wear that shit to bed. My my guy <laughs> can't wear it out of the house. Um, I I, I was going to mention briefly about uh, Johan Pite's uh, apologies if I mispronounce your name. Uh, other work. So he's uh, I he's you know if you go to his itch.io page, he's done a really good job of presenting his stuff. He's got sort of like a top line of like his like headliner, like most game ass games. Shadow King is the newest of those. Um, he has another game that I, I've bought and I'm, I'm eager to give a shot and haven't tr- actually played yet called Hellgeneers, which is like, you know, those like sort of bridge building games. Uh, yeah. It's like a whole genre, like little micro. Uh-huh. This is like a little Pico 8 yeah, micro bridge fun. building game with great theming. You're building um, bridges for demons over rivers of lava. It's it's uh, That's great. It's a great theming. I, I can't Hail wait to Satan. Play it. Yeah, and he's also done some interesting like tooling stuff. He built this <laughs> this thing called PicoCAD that for a little while, like I follow like Pico8 hashtag on Mastodon, and like um, I also follow a bunch of people who like tweet about Pico8 stuff or retweet it. And for a little while, all I was seeing was PicoCAD screenshots and gifs. It's a little like thing where you can build like tiny 3D models. He built a 3D modeling engine within Pico8. Pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, um, but also, yeah, incredible. he was the guy who did the Mister Driller clone. Um, I, I played this game of his called Ascent that is really, really impressive. It's kind of like, and that one's free, by the way. Um, some of these are free. Some of them are like four bucks. Um, but like Ascent is like a really impressive. It's also kind of a Metroidvania. It's it's kind of a bit of a different vibe. Um, so yeah, he, he's like he's like a good place to start is just go to his itch page. Um, mm. He's got a lot of really great Pico Eight stuff, and it seems to be like he's trying to make a living doing Pico Eight via yeah. um, Patreon and maybe you know Steam sales and whatnot. So um, I think that's really wild, and I'm I'm really impressed with his shit. Yeah, I think that's it's, incredible. If he's, if he's actually t- making 
uh, real money on a fantasy uh, console that doesn't exist. That's very impressive. If yeah. anybody can, this guy can. He's got. He's he clearly knows his way around this console. Super cool. Um, well, I have other I, games I, I want to talk about though. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, I did anybody else play Combo Pool? Yes, one of my okay. favorites. No, I thought so. I thought you were talking about Combo Pool. Combo Pool is really really neat. Um, I I. I love games that, um, you know, this is again back to that like early puzzle game vibe that I really like. And, uh, you know, you got your bubble throwing puzzle games. I don't know how I've never seen this like this, this kind of game exactly this version of that uh, until now. Uh, Combo pool is kind of exactly what it sounds like. Um, You're shooting pool balls from the bottom of the screen and when two of them uh you're shooting the they have a color scale from like uh black to red to whatever um and the balls merge into the bigger ball right well not bigger just um you know new color I'm explaining this badly, but the gameplay is just insanely great. Reagan, I don't know if if you can explain it any better than I did. The description that I would give is like if you know the like um, combine like with like uh, combo Mm -hmm. mechanic of threes or rip off 2048. This is that but with physics. So you shoot a ball Mm -hmm. and if it meets a ball of the same color, it merges with that ball while still retaining its velocity. And, uh, it's, it's a really, really good concept. This is, this is one that I played a lot on my, um, Miu mini. I don't know if you guys remember, like we did an episode. Yeah, of course you guys remember listeners. I'm saying we, <laughs> listeners might not remember. We did an episode on the Miu mini, which is like a, uh, um, a little, uh, like emulator console and it has a serviceable, mostly working, um, Pico eight, uh, player that you can get for it. Um, people have re-implemented Pico 8 as sort of like a, uh, you know, uh, emulator kind of thing for the, the Miu Mini and many other little like handheld consoles. Um, and uh, it played great on there. And this was like a game that I played a lot of on that because it, it's great as kind of like a very pick up and play, relatively short session, like kind of score attacky kind of thing. Um, it's so good. This is a really, really, really good one. It's the simplicity. Well, I played a a game that I absolutely loved. And Reagan, it's funny that you, you mentioned a game earlier that we haven't talked about in a long time. I used to bring it up a lot more. VVV, uh, VVV, a, yes. God, a game that game. I loved. Uh, well, this game is called To a Starling, which I believe was recommended in our Discord. So thank you to those who recommended it. Uh, to me, this felt like a mix of Celeste and VVV, VVV, which is an incredible blend. So in the way that it was like Celeste, it's single screen platforming uh, like challenges with uh, additional optional challenges baked in where in Celeste, you're getting little strawberries and this year getting other little berries. So like, I think a clear nod to Celeste, um, but where it's like VVV, VVV is that the platforming is a little more floaty than, uh, Celeste. 
And that might be because you play as a, an adorable little bird. Uh, and it's the sprite work on this little bird is fantastic. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And it's a good blend of the type of platforming where you might have to nail a perfect jump or you might be falling and you have complete control of this character in space. So you may fall and need to sort of, we- as you're falling, weave around different spike traps and things like that. And uh, it's really, really strong level designs that scale really, really well, I think. For the most part, you are interacting with um, only a few mechanics. This is a relatively short game. I think it probably took me about an hour, maybe a little more to beat. Your mileage may vary. Um, And it gets near the middle and through the end of the game. There's a really cool mechanic where there's basically this portal that you can, uh, you know, you have one button that jumps and one button that, that, teleports you to a portal and for the first part of the game those portals are a stag like a a stagnant thing Um, but near the end there will be a like a floating ball in the middle and on the other side of the ball is the portal and it moves in the opposite direction of you so it if you think of it as like a clock if you're at noon the portal is at six o'clock if you move over to three o'clock, the portal is now at nine o'clock. Does that make sense? So it's so it's tracking where you are at. And what you have to do is often make these complicated jumps, sometimes bouncing off of things, fitting in between small spaces, and then activating the switch to the portal at exactly the right time when that has moved to where you need it to be. And sometimes you're doing this almost in like a... Um, well, the game portal where you have to like chain these together and to, to get to the next spot. It gets actually pretty hard, hard enough where near the end, I started feeling like, man, do I do I have it in me right now to commit to a game like this to get to the end? Now, fortunately, because it is really short, you don't have that feeling for too long, whereas like something like a Celeste especially if you got into the B sides and the C sides, you know, it's hours of these grueling, uh, you know, platformer challenges. This is all very, very tight. So once you get to the point where it's really, really hard, you're probably not that far away from the end of the game. Uh, but I absolutely loved it. I played it all the way through is incredible game. Uh, let me make sure I say who made it. Uh, it was made by Patexi. Uh, uh, which, uh, and music by Gruber. So, uh, really, really, really good game. If you like these more challenging platformers, absolutely check it out. And I just played this on the, uh, Lex, Lexalawful, uh, website itself and it, it ran perfectly. So, uh, yeah, you know, we've, we've talked about a couple of other ways to get access to these games via the explore function within the like $15, you know, Pico eight app, and also via the uh, like via, you know, if folks have taken the time to upload their creations to itch.io. Um, but uh, Lexoffel has what they call the Lexoffel BBS, which is kind of their forum, but also a place where folks can share their work. And you can browse there, uh, you can sort games, browse through different categories and so on there. It's 
it's actually a great resource too. So if you're just looking for games to play, um, they have like uh, featured games there. So you can see a list of like really good stuff that's been featured by the the developers of Pico 8. Like there, there's, you know, I think, I think it has some kind of an upvote system or something like that. Faves, you can see like games sorted in different ways. So it is a great place to go to find games as well. And it's kind of the default, like, you know, because it's provided by the developer of Pico 8 directly. Um, if you want your game included in the explore uh, thing within Pico 8, um, that's, I think, how you get it there is you upload it to their BBS. So it's a uh, it's pretty cool that they have this built in community uh, function that's sort of like part yeah. of the tool itself. I think it's obvious that the community is a big part of this whole thing, right? It, and it's good games with a cool community supporting them. Uh, In a real yeah. way, I think this is kind of what um, what they're trying to do with the play date. Yeah. yeah, we talked about the sort of like shared DNA there. Like uh, Playdate included that. What do you call that thing? What do they call that? The like, um, I don't remember what they called their like little like mini game engine thing. Um, pulp? Pulp is what they called it. Um, it has a lot of sort of Pico 8 feel to it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, a little mini game engine that uh, that's sort of like designed straight for the the device. I didn't think it quite rose to the level of Pico 8. You know, it, it's uh, it's it does share some DNA. They both use Lua. They both use sort of like low resolution. Um, but I know it, it did sort of feel like like Pulp was sort of designed very specifically for a particular kind of game. Like it's it seems very much designed for the sort of like walking around just the talking parts of Pokemon kind of like stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? it's like <laughs> um, what everyone loves the talking. Yeah. Parts of Pokemon. Um, yeah, so it, it never it, it didn't seem like a particularly appealing tool to me, whereas like Pico 8, like just just, you know, browse this for five seconds and you see people doing a hundred different types mm-hmm. of games with it. Um, and so it, it feels a little more vibrant. Um, I kind of hope that like they they you know have like a pulp V2 that like brings a little more uh, like, I don't know, pizzazz to it. It feels a little it feels a little like stayed. Um, maybe that's the the black and white talking. But like I do see the sort of shared DNA there. And and uh, I hope that um, the the, uh, uh, the the play date catches a little more of of Pico 8 sort of like, I don't know, zazz. <laughs> it, yeah, it just it just it just got it, you know, all that zazz. This is another thing I was going to quickly mention while we're in between talking about games is playing Pico 8 on various devices. I mentioned playing on the Miu Mini. It's not really ideal for that, but there are a lot of like handheld devices out there that can play Pico 8 games. Um, you can sort of play Pico 8 games on a phone, like the web version of Pico 8 games will have touchscreen controls and they're not ideal, but you can totally play it that way. Um, I've recently had my eye on uh, a lot of Pico 8 sort of fans have recently been talking about this new device that was released by Pow Kitty, which is one of these companies that does these sort of like churns out kind of mediocre, um, you know, emulation based handhelds. But Pow Kitty just released something called the RGB 30. It's the first one of these little like uh, emulation handhelds that has a screen that is a one by one aspect ratio, meaning like mm. a square screen like Pico eight or like the Game Boy. Most of these have like a 16 by nine or a four by three or a three by two kind of aspect ratio to the screen. And so if you're playing Pico eight on something like that, you have black bars around parts of the screen. But this is a device that costs uh, under $100. And 
I think would maybe be the best way to play Pico 8 games. It is a large, bright, colorful screen that is one by one aspect ratio. And uh, it's, uh, you know, you can you can load Pico 8 cartridge files onto it. I haven't determined yet whether you can actually I don't own one of these. I, I would like to, but um, I haven't determined yet whether you can actually load like official Pico 8 onto it and like load carts via Splore over Wi-Fi. That would really be the ideal. Um, yeah, I but, think the I think the best way to play them is probably still on the original hardware with a CRT. But if you can't, do that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say that I have 100 percent tried to get Pico 8 games running on a CRT. Of course, of course I have. Yeah. Um, you totally can. You can hook up uh, like a Raspberry Pi to your CRT. But the problem now, I'm, now you've you've opened you've opened the gates for CRT talk. <laughs> the problem here is that a Pico 8 games run, one runs at 128 by 128. Uh, and a standard CRT is either 480i interlaced 480 pixels or uh, for classic consoles, usually 320 by 240. Uh, and the problem is that you can't do an integer scale up to two X, uh, of a, uh, of a Pico eight game on a CRT mm-hmm. because then it is 256 pixels tall. And, uh, that is larger than 240. So your choices, if you're playing a Pico eight game on a CRT are either to crop off, uh, its vertical dimensions by about eight pixels. I think, uh, if I'm doing math right in my head and I'm probably not. Uh, or you play it as a tiny thing within the in the middle of the screen. So unfortunately, Pico 8 games don't run spectacularly well on CRTs. I wish they did, but there's it's just it it's not Damn. great. It's not a great experience. Well, that's Reagan's retro corner. Uh, it's a segment <laughs> Sorry, we have like joke, Reagan. <laughs> we, we haven't done that segment for quite a while. I'm, but no, I mean, that isn't that is interesting. But let me tell you about another game I played. Y'all <laughs> will will like. Uh, it's called. <laughs> Go ahead, mate. It's called uh, Just One Boss. Um, I wanted to play this. That looks really cool. Bridges. It does look good. Uh, and I, I really, really enjoyed this game as well. And I thought it was a bit of a, a bit of a technical Marvel too, for the Pico eight. Um, though I am very much an amateur. I still was surprised that this game was able to, to do what it did, which is that, uh, I get sounds you are battling just one boss. It is a, there is a, a floating magician, uh, at the top of the screen. And then you play on a five by nine grid that is just below this floating uh, magician. And you're playing as this little cute little blob and the magician throws challenges at you over and over and over. And your objective is to, uh, as these challenges are happening, a one or more of the grid spaces will light up and you need to go stand on that. You need to move your little blob character to stand on the grid space that has lit up. And that is how you deal damage to the boss. Uh, And what, frankly, what it plays like, this is probably a simplification of the explanation, but I think it's a touchstone that a lot of our listeners will have, uh, participated in you know the combat system in undertale 
yep. where you are your little heart and things are flying in from every angle and you're dodging them. That is what you're doing. The majority of this game is that you are dodging things in order to step on these grids, but it gets, I would say more complicated than undertale. Although by the end of undertale, it's also pretty complicated, but this one ramps up a lot faster. And what's cool is that it is nonstop. Like all the other Pico games that I played, you know, you could see there's like, screen changes and re little moments where it resets this there's animations where when you beat the boss the the magician is now doing another trick which is a nice little touch it like you know pulls a rabbit out of a hat and now you're doing a, a combat thing then you beat that and now it pulls out a little magic wand and, and you're you know you're doing another thing and it just keeps going you're just playing against this one boss and it gets really complicated one of the early complications that is fun is that at the beginning you're just controlling the one little uh like glob um but it splits into two and the it it, it also it splits the um the game board where you have your original glob that you're playing on let's say the right side and then you have a one that is mirroring your actions on the left side. So if you tap right, the one that you, you were originally controlling moves one space to the right. And the one that's on the other side moves one space to the left and vice versa. So hmm. it becomes this really like mind boggling problem where you've got a lot of stuff that's flying in and out of the screen that you're trying to dodge, but it's not as simple as just like left, right, up and down because each of those have an opposite reaction for the other blob that you're controlling. And so it, it, it gets really fast paced and really, really challenging. And, uh, I really liked it. Like, I thought this was a really good example of, you know, what can you do with like one screen, with one core like gameplay style and just escalate and escalate and escalate over and over until you, it becomes like, incredibly difficult and kind of mayhem on the screen. Uh, the music is good and does a bunch of cool stuff where it syncs up with like the hand motions that the magician is doing. You know, it just got to the point where there was so much going on that I, I, I really was not expecting a Pico 8 game to be able to do this sort of thing. So... Uh, highly recommend it if you if you got a chance to play it. It's uh, just one boss. That looks awesome. Yeah. At this point, we're getting kind of close to the end of, of and I, I haven't even talked about some of the games that I wanted to. I was going to, I'll just sort of blitz through a handful of games that I've particularly enjoyed. Okay. Um, one that I bought on itch, uh, you know, Pico 8 games, there's nothing stopping somebody from selling their games, you know, as a as a, a purchase, you know, the the game I talked about earlier, um, uh, Shadow King, uh, totally, you know, you can buy that for $4 on itch, it's not available on Splore for free. Um, but one of the ones I was most excited to pay real money for, I think I spent five bucks on this a little while ago, and I've 100% gotten my money's worth is uh, Super Crane Bug. This is actually out on Steam now, too, if you want to buy it there for whatever reason. Um, but Super Crane Bug is a match three game that is just like really, really good. The thing that it does that's really clever is a weirdly that tough as you, game. <laughs> it is weirdly <laughs> tough. What it what's clever about it is that um, 
you have multiple different tools, uh, like a swap tool, a crane tool, a drill tool, a shovel, a, a wagon, and a hose. Um, that so it, it it very much resembles um, panel to pawn because you have like or like Tetris Attack if you're more familiar, um, which has like uh, squares, you know, like a, a grid of of multicolored boxes rising up from the bottom. And you have to do uh, match three mechanics to create matches to eliminate them before the stack reaches the top of the screen. Uh, and of course, you know, it's speeding up as you go and so on. But the, the neat thing here is that as you play, the mechanic that you use for moving things around changes. You have these different tools and each time you match things, it will switch to the next tool in the rotation. And so like there's a swap tool that's basically the same as panel to pawn. Um, there's a crane tool where you literally grab a square and move it somewhere else. So you can kind of like move an individual square one at a time, wherever you want. Um, drill will take a, a set of four squares and rotate them in a square, like in a, like rotates them. Um, shovel will pick a tile and toss it randomly to the top of the stack somewhere. Uh, and then wagon, um, you will you can move a two by two space horizontally. Um, and then hose uh, swaps positions as you move. Um, so it kind of does this weird mix up as you grab something, move it around, and the things around it kind of shuffle to, to make room um, in a kind of seemingly almost random kind of way. What's cool about this is like, it's constantly changing between this set of, of tools. Um, so it has this sort of extra chaos to it that you don't have in something like, you know, panel to pawn or whatever. Um, but it still feels familiar. Each of these feels like its own, like, like its own game, but it's like, it's like a, like a random mix up. Each time you do a match, you, you suddenly have to continue playing the same set of tiles, but with a, with a whole new mechanic and you're constantly rotating through them. I played a lot of this game. I really love it. And if you like the sort of like, um, you know, panel to pawn style, uh, like, uh, you know, puzzle league, uh, you know, that style of like puzzle game. Um, this is a really clever take on that, that I'd never seen before. And I, I've had a lot of fun with it. A few years back, I also played a game called Dusk Child, um, which is like a mysterious like adventure platformer. I, I would call it a, a Metroidvania, but I feel like it's not quite one of those. Um, but what I really liked about this one, it was built in in uh, in Pico 8, but uh, they really went all out on the game release. They've also done a sort of upscaled port, Dusk Child HD. Uh, if you buy this game, you get the Pico 8 version and you also get sort of like an HD version that's basically just like the same game, but with like slightly more high resolution graphics. Um, but you also get a manual and hmm. like a map that you can download as a PDF. And like, it, it almost sort of feels like you're getting like a, a full game release with like a bunch of, you know, paper yeah. in the box for you to unfold and read. Um, and it has this very mysterious vibe to it. So I, I really quite liked that one a lot. Um, another one that's a little bit light, but I wanted to bring up cause I, I really, really like it is, uh, shelled Shinobi. This is a, a platformer that's sort of like a knockoff, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles thing. But the, the, the idea here that I really like is that, you know, you've got this tiny little turtle on screen, like a little mini version of a Ninja Turtle. Um, but you can press a button to toggle between being the little ninja 
and being a shell. And the shell moves kind of like shells in like a Mario Kart. When you're in shell mode, you move at high speed and you bounce around like a pinball. So, you know, a lot of the, the platforming involves like jumping to get yourself some momentum in a particular direction and then midair switching to shell mode. So you bounce quickly off of a wall and like ricochet around. It's really fun. It's really high yeah. speed. Um, it's described as parkour platforming, which is, I think, pretty accurate because it's like that sounds it's, awesome. it's very high speed. It's awesome. Um, I really, really like that one. And it's available for free on itch.io. You can probably find it on the LexAwful forum thing as well. Um, I played a lot of other Pico 8 games over the years. Uh, I, I try to like go back through my list and like think of ones that that might be worth uh, worth mentioning. But like these were the ones that stood out in my memory. Um, but man, it's just fun to browse around. The nice thing about yeah. these games is that they're so small that usually you'll be able to get a sense of whether there's something that you're interested in in a few minutes. Um, you know, these are ultimate short game games generally because because of the many limitations on this console, you're not getting these like 40 hour RPGs in this format. These are mostly these sort of like single sitting, um, you know, here's my five good ideas for levels. Here you go. Kind of situations. So, um, you know, just browse, man, you'll find really amazing stuff. Uh, anybody else have any others that we want to quickly hit on before we run to the end of the episode? Yeah, I'll touch on one quickly. Um, I played my Chan's sweet buns. <laughs> yes i'm just gonna leave let rules. that settle for a moment a i i can't let that settle because um i wouldn't be fair because i when reagan plays a game that has an adorable little anime girl and it's called something like <laughs> super sweet buns and something like that uh i can't let it slide uh so can't let it slide for you either nate sorry that's fair you know what it's fair and i and i accept it and I recommend it. Uh, we've talked a lot about match three games already, and this isn't exactly that, but it's in the same style. Uh, you've got a four by four grid. Uh, you've and the the titular sweet buns are not your classic anime sweet buns. They are uh, delicious baked goods. We're talking croissants, cinnamon rolls, uh, pretzels maybe some sort of like looking like a chocolate covered boston cream pie maybe uh, some sort of donut and uh you have uh much like uh a maybe like an overcooked or other cooking style games you have a a, a row of expected orders along the bottom and your job is to find the matches on the four by four grid so you you'll have four orders along the bottom and it might be Two pretzels, one croissant, one cinnamon roll, and three of these donuts. And you need to find in the four by four grid exactly that order. You can do them in any order. So you, it doesn't matter. They're not like you don't have to do the first and then the second or the, and the third. There are four and you can do them in any order. And the challenge of the game is that those three orders. So it'll say I need three pretzels you need to get three pretzels in a row. Uh, and most of the time, you know, you're only doing that by turning in one pretzel orders or whatever, you know, single item orders that allow these things to fall into place and create that three pretzel order. Uh, you only you see at the top kind of like a threes where you know what the next thing is that's going to come in. 
this you see what the next thing that will fall into each column but you only have one you only see the next one thing and uh it gets pretty complicated there's a bunch of little bonuses you can do that make it easier but you have to earn those bonuses and just a really good little version of this type of game and uh it's called my chance sweet buns i don't know what else you need from something like this it's it's fantastic you don't need I like this game else. a lot too. I I played this one too, and I wanted to quickly call out that this is a game that came from a game jam based on the Famicase exhibitions that happen every year. Have you guys encountered that before online? No, no. Um, so this is something I love seeing every year when it comes out. It's a kind of an online graphic design contest where, um, if you are a like retro game nerd, you're probably aware, and maybe you're not. If you're if you're just you know not a not a huge loser like I am, that like you know in the the original NES, its its Japanese counterpart was called the Famicom. The Famicom cartridges looked very different than NES cartridges. They had this they had a, like they came in a bunch of colors, unlike the very gray uh, NES cartridges, and the labels were like just a a graphic design playground. Every Famicom cartridge looked different and they all looked amazing. And there's a uh, there's an online contest I guess called the Famicase exhibition where every year different graphic designers submit uh sort of photoshopped uh fake Famicom games and they have sometimes mm. dozens or hundreds of these um where they just like you know like things that look like they could theoretically have been a real like 1980s Famicom game um but obviously aren't uh and there's like entries from from Japan but also from from you know the US and around the world and uh there was a uh this this game in particular came from a uh a, a game jam where people picked uh cartridges from like fake Famicom game cartridges from the Famicase exhibitions and made <laughs> that's a whole nother games. level to the fantasy of this fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I love now this. we're porting games that never existed from fantastic fantasy Famicom into a fantasy console. Well, Pico 8 is a huge community, a huge galaxy of games. There are thousands of games, I think, for this this fantasy console all across the various different services where folks post these. So it's an incredible thing to check out. But I think we're going to have to leave it here. We've all played a bunch of games for this that we love. We're going to be coming back to Pico 8 again and again. Um, but uh, if you, listener, have a Pico 8 game that you've played and that you've enjoyed, we would love to hear about it. Uh, I'm going to keep the Pico 8 channel up in our Discord for a while because I enjoy checking these sorts of things out. If you have a suggestion, drop it in there. Uh, I'd love to play it. Uh, and they're so easy to play. They're so easy to get access to. It's very, you know, click a link from Discord and you're you're in the game in most of the, these cases. So uh, come on in. Um, and where do you get access to that wonderful Discord? Well, listener, let me have, tell you the answer to that important question. You can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm. And uh, there's links there for everything. But most especially, there's a link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game, where you, yes, you can support the show 
For $3 a month, you will get access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show. We plan future episodes. We talk to our listeners. Folks come there to suggest games to us. We have a channel there where you can drop suggestions for short games that you think that we ought to be covering. And that's where we get most of the ideas for what we cover on this show. It's something we really appreciate. Thank you, listeners. Uh, And if you are a patron of the show, thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, Of course, if you go up to our higher tiers, you get some extra benefits like stickers. Um, That's pretty much it but the stickers are really nice so they are i'll send you those stickers and if you'd like you can also find us on all the various socials Uh, our show is not as social as we would like we're doing our best to improve uh some of that in the near future far from anti-social true do you do tiktok or anything like that me would you do it for us do you want to make our tiktoks (laughs) we're we're truly confused by that word i'm I, I'm, I'm delving deep it. into my on uh, Final Cut Pro knowledge uh, to yeah. see if I can create TikToks. Shane's been Shane's been cracking the seal, making some uh, some TikToks. I think you got ten years younger when you made your first TikTok, Shane. You know, uh, I'm spending too much time on TikTok as it is, so so why not just might as well post with wild abandon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, do it. Um, so you can find us on various socials. I won't list all the URLs. You can just go to shortgame.fm and find the links. You can find me on the internet. I've got a website where you can find links to all my socials. Uh, easiest there is reagan.me. Uh, and uh, it's got links to my Mastodon and other various things that I'm doing. Um, Nate, where can people find you? Uh, go to our website and you can find links to my various socials. Um, yeah. Uh, and Shane, where can people find you? I can be found on. Uh, well, I just go to the go to the go to the podcast page. You'll find me there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna have to revise this outro, guys. And <laughs> listeners, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. <laughs>